pick up. Actually, I'm going to kind of go through Psalm 31 because I see some new faces. I was going to do it anyways, regardless, but um, point of it being is Psalm 31, this prayer that David gave um, when he was in distress. Uh, many reasons we talked about, possibly because of uh, Saul persecuting him, maybe Absalom, possibly. I mean, numerous things that we could talk about, right, in David's life. But the point of it being is where David took his refuge, David always took his refuge in the Lord. And that's the thing that we need to understand. Uh, we gave you a little um, story about these things called the Shephanim, the rock badgers, and how they would go ahead and whenever there was trouble, they'd run to the rock, right? Which was the picture of us going ahead. Jesus is our rock, right? God is our rock. So therefore, when we're in trouble, or even when you're not in trouble, it's not a wise thing to leave the Lord. You should always, always be seeking to be with the Lord. He says that you're a rock of strength. He's a stronghold to save in. You are my fortress. And, you know, David wasn't too much worried about the things as far as am I going to make God angry or whatever. It's because he was his stronghold and he said that you're going to save me. And for your name's sake, David understood that because of God's name, God will not go against his character. So the moment that you think that uh, well, I'm on God's bad list, stop that kind of thinking. Okay, it's false thinking. You're a Christian, right? You've given your life over to God. We do things that aren't, aren't right, right? We sin sometimes, but you know what? God gives us that out, right? We talked about in uh, 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse 9. That's our out right there. Humility is a good thing. We talked about how David felt that his enemies were laying a snare for him in a net. We talked about how he went back in and, again, you are my strength. Verse 5 talked about how David, and this is for us too, and Jesus did it, Stephen did it, into your hands I commit my spirit. Lord, I'm sold out to you. And that's what, exactly what David's trying to teach us here. Why? Because you have ransomed me. You have given me salvation. And then David, remember, he changed directions. He says in verse 6, I hate those who regard vain idols. And we come to find out it's not that he hates the people. He hates what's going on. Okay, so keep that in mind. People are important to God. God died for, for us, right, for everybody. So don't go in there thinking it's because they're worshiping an idol because that's where we were at one time, right? I know for me, I wasn't in a place where I needed to be, but God rescued me out of that. And everybody in here probably has a story similar. So when you see somebody that's doing that, just you know, give them the love of God. And then David goes on to talk about how God's loving kindness has been the thing that impresses him the most because God knows the troubles of his soul. God knows the things that we're going through because he's been there. He created us. Why wouldn't he know? Is there anything that is too hard for God to do is the question. No, she says, no, I agree with you. Okay, so there's two of us in the room that agree, right? I'm sure there's more. Be gracious to me, O Lord, verse 9. For I am in distress. And he goes on in these next verses here to talk about why he's in, in distress talk about his body parts, his eye that's wasting away, his soul and his body, and how he feels the, the pain in his bones because of the sin that was in his life that he was hanging on to. Verse 12, he says, I'm a forgotten as a dead man out of mind. We went over that last week. Not a good place to be. He's seeing the slander of all the friends that he's around, acquaintances that he comes up with. Him. People are running from him. Then he comes back to the Lord. 
He sees that there's terror on every side, but verse 14, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. And that verse 15 is an important thing because what we need to understand that, yeah, our times are in God's hands. God is the one that's in control. So why do we think that we're the ones that go ahead and control our own lives? It's, it's silly, isn't it? Right? So we get to that point where we understand that God is our all in all, and there's no one else that we, we want or no one else that we need, but yet God still provides the people in our lives that encourages us. I just think that's so awesome. My times are in your hand, whether I die, whether I live, whether I get sick, whatever. My times are in your hands. Do with me as you will, Lord. Make your face to shine upon your servant. We went to Numbers chapter 6. We talked about that. Let me not put to shame once again. He was talking about the, the wicked going down to Sheol. Verse 18, we talked about how God despises the lying lips. And we went into a couple of verses talking about that also. And God is against the proud. In verse 18, the last part there, he's against the proud and those people who hold contempt. How great is your goodness, which we learned last week, that God has so much goodness that he's got it stored up for us in abundance, overflowing. So the moment you think, God, can you be any better? Is there any more good in you? He's got more. Okay, you just got to trust him. Ask him. Ask him. He also told us that he will give us that goodness in front of anybody because he's proud of us, right? He's our father. Aren't you proud of your kids? I'm proud of my kids. If you want to talk about my kids, I'll tell you. Right now, right now, come up to me afterwards and I'll tell you. I'm proud. Talked to my son again this morning at our Bible study. Awesome. I'm thinking, he's listening. That's a good thing. And plus that, he's getting God's word in, in his life. A better thing. Verse 21. Blessed is the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. Um, when I look at that, I'm, I'm looking at when David was in Keilah. And he, what, here, here's the weird thing about people. So David goes to Keilah, and Keilah is being, uh, getting ready to get run over by the enemy. And so David goes in and he rescues, right? And so David's inside this city. It's a fortified city, double bars, double gates. Saul hears about it. So Saul, now what does he want to do? He wants to go and besiege the city and he wants to surround it and, and get David out of there. So here's the cool part. This is why we're going into prayer tonight. David seeks the Lord. He asks the Lord, Lord, should I leave here? And God tells him, yeah, you should leave here. Lord, are, they going to get, are the people of the city that I just rescued by the power of your hand, are they going to go ahead and give me up? Yeah, they're going to do that. You see, people are fickle, right? There's only one that you can truly trust, and that's the Lord. I had a guy ask me the other day, can I trust you? And I said, I hope so. <laughs> In all reality, you know, if I'm walking with the Lord and I'm, and I'm doing those things, I'm walking by the Spirit, then I would say, yeah, you can trust me. But if I'm walking in the flesh, I don't think so. That'd be hard for anybody to do. And that's why it's important that we, we practice humility. As we're practicing humility, that keeps us in a right relationship with God where we need to be. Verse 21, blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. Think about that. So David leaves the city, and he and his men, they take off into the, into the hills, and they're hiding in the caves. And of course, here's the cool part about the last part of that, that story. It says that God 
protected David. He didn't allow Saul to find him. That's amazing because what we read last week, Saul ended up finding David. And remember, they were both on either side of the mountain and David was being surrounded. And what happened? God called a messenger to come and say, hey, the Philistines are attacking. So now Saul takes off and he goes, takes care of that. David is saved once again by God. So I can see why the Psalms with David, how David just gives so much admiration towards God, so much glory to God, because because David's been saved out of so many instances. Verse 22, as for me, I said in my alarm or in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. He's saying in his haste, I don't know about you guys, I've done this before. I've said in my haste, God, where are you? And I think, ah, really? Right, that V8 moment? You, uh, you look and you say, well, this isn't too difficult for God. What is too difficult for God? Nothing is too difficult for God. So I've talked myself back into a place where I need to be, right? Talking with a lady the other day, and she's talking about how her life is going this way and going that way. And then so we started talking about Scripture, and it's amazing what Scripture did to turn her life around at that moment in time where all of a sudden she's praising God. See, that's what we need to do as Christians. You know the Scriptures, right? The scriptures are going to set that person free, so you might as well use the scriptures in your tool bag and go ahead and help that person rather than allowing them to wallow in their own mire. That's not a good place for anybody to be. So as we look at this idea of prayer, we're going to be jumping around quite a bit. So get your Bibles out. First place that... um, that we're going to be is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Pretty much we're going to camp out there for a while. There's a lot of stuff in just the verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So we'll break this thing down, and the first thing we're going to be looking at is this with all. With all, meaning that there are no limits. Okay, when it comes to God, there are no limits. We want to be praying with all prayer. So whatever your prayer is, bring it to God. I don't care how small it is. Lord, I need my grass to grow. You know, pray for that. Why not? Test God in that area. The petition there, pray at all times and petition, right? With all prayer and petition. That seeking, that asking, that's what God gives us an opportunity to do. As Christians, we get to go to God, right? Men to God. That's our petition we have. We hear from him. And God hears and responds to our prayers. Psalm 6, 9. I'm not going to have you turn there, but where I want you to go is to Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I'll go ahead and tell you what uh, Psalm 6, 9 says. It says, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. So just about that time where you thought that the Lord wasn't hearing your prayer, of course, you know, I just proved you wrong. But as we go to Matthew chapter 6, a couple things that we want to find out here. Pray with all limit, no limits in all situations. And in Matthew chapter 6, this is how we are to do things. Verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So your heart needs to be right before the Lord. That's talking about that humility before God. What do you need to do to get yourself squared away with God? Verse 5. 
When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. Can you guys picture this? Right? You got these guys that are standing there and they've got their stuff on and they're just being all proud, their chest is out, and they're just saying how awesome they are. And how much how much uh, praise are they giving to God? I don't know. But they're called hypocrites. So I don't know if they are really giving a whole lot of glory to God because in all reality, if a prayer isn't a heartfelt prayer to God, pretty much I think what it does, it causes God to be sick, basically. They do it so they can be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. So when they get to heaven, that's another key right here that God isn't pleased with it because they got the reward right there on this earth. You pray, go into your inner room. I'm talking about us, right? Close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So he's giving you an idea here. Rather than being out there doing your thing in front of men, in Israel, you know, inside their houses, they had this closet in the house. And it was very difficult for anybody to get a quiet place to go. So they would get this little closet and they would go in there because you got all these kids, you got animals running around. I mean, how can you concentrate when all this stuff is going on? So the idea behind this thing is for us today, where do you go to get that solitude where you can spend time with the Lord? What is your place that you go to? Personally, for me, um, it's wherever my wife isn't because um, how many of you guys know my wife? Okay. <laughs> Tigger's her, uh, her name. You know, bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. Bouncy, wonderful thing. She's a AAA personality, awesome lady. Um, so I have to get up early so that I can go ahead and make sure that I get my prayer time in because when she comes in, I, I, I like to spend that time with her, you know. But it's important that I get away because if I don't get away, I don't get my prayer time in. So that's important right there. And I'm not bashing on my wife. Don't take it that way, okay? Don't take it that way. My wife's awesome. The point of it being is get yourself into a place where you can get with God and just have that personal one-on-one with the Lord. Next here, verse 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. I just love verse 8. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here and people go, why should I pray? If God already knows what I need, well, you know what? God wants to have that time with you. That's the whole reason, right? He wants you to talk to him. You know, that'd be kind of a bummer if my wife says, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore. What kind of relationship will we have? Zero, Right? So I, I, I like that. Like with my son, my daughter, I love talking to them. And so that's the same thing with God. He, he knows what we need before we ask him, but he still wants us to come and ask. That's amazing to me. Go down to verse 14 and 15. When we're looking at this, it says God hears and responds to our prayers, but there's also a little thing that we need to understand. Um, if we don't have forgiveness for other people, that's a hindrance to our prayers. Um, if, I, if I have an issue with my wife and it's unresolved, I have an issue with my prayers being heard. So I need to take care of those issues. In other words, verse 14, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So just to make sure that I wasn't making this stuff up, I thought I'd just go ahead and read it for you, okay? So... Forgive those people. You have something against somebody. Somebody has something against you. You know, be the person of, of God and go to that person and say, hey, I forgive you for what, what happened there. Or even if they didn't do anything, but you know that they're mad at you, still go to that person and talk to them. 
You know, let's get this, let's get this situation resolved so that our communication with God can be where it needs to be. All right? Good. Let's look at um, praying at all times. Back to Ephesians chapter 6, 8. You should probably keep your finger there or some, some kind of a uh, marker because we're going to be going there quite often. It says, pray with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times. Hmm, interesting. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 17. I like to read the whole thing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, right? And everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But that praying without ceasing, that's important. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And we're going to be looking at verses uh, 1 through 4. But I also want to read you something in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. It says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you will, while making mention of you in my prayers. So apparently this idea of uh, praying all times and also giving thanks is an important thing. Do not cease giving thanks for you. You know, Paul is always praying for people. You'll, you'll see it numerous times in the scriptures where Paul will always be praying for people, giving thanks, always, unceasingly. And that's what happened tonight. We're in here, I'm asking you guys to pray for each other, okay? There's something about reciprocal prayer that's awesome, okay? There's something about that. When you're praying for each other, here, here's what it ends up doing. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think it's important. Um, you have to get your eyes off of yourself, and, that, and that's a hard thing to do sometimes. When you're walking in the flesh, that's what you end up doing. Okay, you end up keeping your eyes on yourself. And so now you're the only person that matters in the room. But in all reality, when we were praying for each other, that takes your eyes off yourself, right? It puts it back where it needs to be on Jesus, knowing that Jesus is going to be the one that's going to take control of that relationship, your relationship with whoever it is. That makes sense? Okay. So here we go. We have uh, this, this verse um, in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. A couple of things we're going to look at. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God, important, with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people, important, and prayed to God continually, the most important. Okay, you see what he was doing? Apparently, he must have read somewhere when... God gave that promise, I will bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you, right? Talking about us in Israel. So apparently he was a man who loved the Jewish people. But the important thing too is that he prayed to God continually. And here's the cool part about it, verse three and four. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, I think anybody would be, right? He said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Does that happen today? Yes, in the form of our answered prayers. We see it. I've seen it. I saw it in my own family. Um, you know, praying for people, that perseverance of praying for people for 25 years and then watching God do an amazing thing in their life. You know, praying for my dad and then seeing him get saved about 25 years later also on his deathbed. You know, didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, but I tell you what, on his deathbed, um, God brought a drill sergeant nurse in, and my dad had heard the word, right? But because of the prayers, he had eight kids praying for him. He had a wife that was praying for him and many other people that were praying for him. 
But you know what? He couldn't, he couldn't hold back. He couldn't hold back the power of the Holy Spirit working in his life through a nurse that was dedicated. So I will see him in heaven. My, my father-in-law, right? All the years with, with him and talking to him about Jesus, you know, and getting the backlash, the typical, you know, what's the same thing? Go back in the womb, you know, the Nicodemus type of a thing. But then, but then in the end, he ended up getting saved. It was shocking to me that we had this conversation and uh, he actually sat down and was listening. Yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. And then my own mother-in-law, you know, same thing, you know, heard the word, received it, and she's saved, and now she's greeting on the back door over there. So, you know, just a point in time where you think that you don't need to be praying at all, all times and being perseverant in your prayers, you're wrong. You've got to be praying at all times. Don't ever give up. I was listening to this pastor, and he's saying, yeah, I was praying for a guy for 15 years. I finally gave up. Thinking, why? Why? Why would you do that? To me, that's kind of like a, uh, telling God that you don't trust that he's able to save those people. Okay? We don't want to go down that road. Back to chapter 6 of Ephesians. It says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Wow, what does that mean, in the Spirit? Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we're looking at verses 4 to 8. I think it's an interesting thing that God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit once we get saved, right, you make that proclamation, Lord, I believe. You confess with your mouth, and so therefore the salvation is there. You believe in your heart, right, that Jesus is Lord, and the Holy Spirit, boom, comes. He's right there living inside of you. I think that's such an awesome thing. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Kind of an interesting question. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8 is a cool one. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth, a part of the earth that they didn't even know about yet. Right? They're stuck in their own thing, and they're thinking that their world is right here. But God has a better plan. Romans 8, 26 and 27. You don't have to go there. I'll read it to you. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for you're not how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So we're here sitting here, we're fumbling, bumbling, we're thinking that we don't know how to pray very well. And next thing you know, we got this Holy Spirit, he's interceding for us. What he really meant to say was this, right? And then not only that, but then Jesus is there too. So we got the Trinity working here. I think that's, that's really neat. I mean, it's always good when you have more people on your team than not, right? Especially going to the fight. So we have the Holy Spirit's working for us on our behalf. We have Jesus is working for us on our behalf, sitting at the right hand of the Father, talking about you guys and how awesome you are, right? Because you accepted him as Jesus Christ. In all reality, God's looking at Jesus like this, and you're here. He's like, yeah, they sure are. They're great. Why? Because they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, okay? He's looking at Jesus. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's great. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. 
In this, we're going to see a couple of things. Before you go, to, you can just go to five, and we're going to be uh, right there in verse 16. But I want to give you something real quick. Just listen to this. Verse 6 of chapter 4, it says, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son, Jesus, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You guys are heirs through God. Yeah, amen is right. Chapter 5 of, of um, Ephesians. 5. I'm sorry, Galatians. Galatians. I'll get there. There we go. Verse 16. But I say, walk with the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. Why? So that you may not do the things that you please. You know, James tells us that the reason that we have sin in our life is because we, we give way to those temptations, right? And when those temptations are given away to, then that's the thing that produces the sin in our life. And then when the sin comes in our life, then that's when death occurs, okay, spiritual death. So the idea here is that you want to be walking by the Spirit and not carry out the desire of the flesh. What are these desires of the flesh? These desires of the flesh are called the deeds of the flesh in verse 19, and it's immorality, impurity, and sensuality. We're talking about these sexual sins that we can commit, right? Adultery, fornication, um, idolatry, sorcery, talking about those things that um, go against God, things that we're worshiping, uh, sorcery, talking about drugs, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, all those things that we will do with, to each other, right? I envy that person. Oh, gosh, look, at they have a better shirt on than I do. Or their car, oh, man, that thing is awesome. You know, coveting those things. And God tells us in the uh, commandments, don't covet, right? Just be happy with what he gives to you. Be content. Drunkenness and carousing and things like these, just in case he missed anything, things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, the, the key is the practice of those things. You know, everybody's going to sin at one time like we talked about before, but the point of it being, don't be practicing these things, right? If you're a thief, quit doing it. If you're an adulterer, quit doing it. It's simple, right? If you're a guy that's looking at pornography, quit doing it. I realize that people tell me that this thing has got a real big hold on you, but in all reality, how much do you really trust the Lord, Okay. If you're, if you're a drunkard, quit doing it. You know, my dad was a drunkard, all right? He had to quit. God took that out of his life at the end of his life. Unfortunately, it didn't happen soon enough. But the point of it being is, I didn't go down that road, okay? I didn't go down that road. All seven of my brothers and sisters did not go down that road either. Why? Because my mom pumped Jesus into our lives, you see, and that's the key right there. That's that one step that we all need to take in order to overcome all these things that I have that I've read here to you, okay? There is hope, okay? You put your hope, you put your trust, like David said in the Psalm, I commit myself to you. That's important. So don't practice these things. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is what we want to do. Bill talked about this a few weeks back. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. Verse 24 is something that really impacted me. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Hey, do you belong to Christ Jesus? All right, okay, so that thing that comes along in your life, you have to crucify it daily. Sometimes you have to crucify that thing. For me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, sometimes it's three, four, or five times in a day. You know, that thing comes along and I'm going, all right, I don't want to go down that road. Okay, so crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. Why? Because I belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, I want to be a good witness wherever I go. That's the whole idea. I'm representing Christ. I've taken on his name as we talked about last week. Beyond the alert, back to Ephesians chapter 6, 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Be on the alert. What are we talking about? You guys remember my little friends, the uh, Shephanim, right? Remember that one guy that I told you he was sitting on the limb when we had come to En Gedi and we're getting ready to go on the tour there and you had that little Shephanim was just hanging out on the limb. And then all the other guys were doing what they were supposed to be doing, right? They had their sentries posted out there in case there was any danger, that the rest of them would, shoot, they would go to the rock for the safety. So the weird thing about that is when we came back, I didn't see that guy hanging on the limb anymore. So I don't know if maybe an eagle or a hawk came down and swooped him up and had him for lunch. I don't know. Or I don't know if maybe he got wise and he saw that this isn't a good place for him to be. And he finally went back into the safety of the rock. I don't know. I can't tell you. But I will tell you this is that's a good analogy for you to look at. Am I going to be like the chef and them that are, that are wise, as the Bible calls them, and stay in the rock? Or am I going to be like this one that was unwise and hang out and, and dilly-dally out in the world? Okay? I, I think we want to be by the wise guy. We want to be like the wise one. So being on the alert, being watchful, being awake, being intent, having that intention of what you want to do, okay, in your prayer time, okay, you're just not going there and saying, oh, God, okay, I'm going to pray about today. It's like, okay, amen. That's not intentional. That's, that's garbage, okay? When you get before the Lord, I mean, who are we talking to? We talked about reverence and awe last week, okay? He's the one that created everything that we see. If he went like this with the power that he has and let go, we'd be dust, but he holds everything together in his hand. Okay, he loves us. He cares for us. He wants to have that intimate relationship with you. The sentries are out there. You guys are the sentries, right? You're watching out for me. You're watching out for each other. You're watching out for the pastors. You're watching out for the guys in the booth. You're watching out for the kids. When we see our brothers and sisters, they go down that bad road. What is the sentry going to do? Hey, warning, warning, come back. Come back, you're, not, you're going in a bad place. That's what we need to do, right? As Christians, that's what we need to do. We need to hold each other up. We need to encourage each other. We need to be praying for each other. The other thing I look at this beyond the alert, also, what has God done, right? You're praying, you're seeking the Lord. We heard some prayers tonight. I also wanna be watching for what God is doing in my prayers and how he's answering those prayers. Why? Because that's a good witness. It only builds my faith, but it also builds up the faith of those people that are around me, the ones that I've been praying for. That's encouraging. This word perseverance, when we look at uh, 6.18 again, be on the alert with all perseverance. You know, when you're, when you're in the difficulty and the discouragement, you're walking this Christian walk and everything's going good and all of a sudden the wall comes up. You hit the wall. 
discouragement, an obstacle comes in your way. Perseverance says, how am I going to get up and over this wall? How am I going to go through this wall? What am I, I going to do, Lord? Help me. And God will provide a way. It might not be the way that you think it's going to be. I can tell you stories. I'm looking at this thing and I'm going, wow, all the things that God got me out of and I never, ever thought that it would be that way. I thought it was going to be something super easy. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you've got to go and persevere and keep chugging along and keep going towards God, right? Because if you don't do that, you're going to fail. I always remember this movie I watched. It was a plane crash. And uh, in the end of the movie, these people were doing all they could to get out. They're climbing up the snow bank. And, um, and all of a sudden, the camera, it pans out. The people gave up. They gave up. And they died right there. Camera pans out, and there's a ski resort right there, about 50 feet up. You see? And that's, that's the thing that I want to get across to you is this. The blessing's right there. Most people give up one minute before. Okay? Jesus doesn't call us to do that. He calls us to persevere, push through the trials that we're going through. Come to him. He says he'll help us, right? So we might as well allow him to help us. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I talk about reciprocal prayers. Okay, a couple of places that I want to look at is um, kind of taking our eyes off of ourselves. It's praying for others when, uh, as they pray for you. Okay, so normally in a prayer, you know, we, we ideally we want to give all glory and, and praise to God. Right? But a lot of times what I notice when people are praying that it goes, oh, Lord, I thank you. And then all of a sudden it goes to all the things that are going on in their life. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with praying for things for yourself. But I'll tell you what, when, hold on one second. <clears throat> I made it all last week without any water. <laughs> when, you're, when you're praying for others, there's something about the effect that it has on your own life. When you're serving others, there's something about serving others that has an effect on your own life. Okay? It seems like all of a sudden your problems go away. They're still there, but they go away. They're not as bad as they used to be. So that's why it's important for us to be praying for other people. It's important for us to be serving other people and helping them. Let's look at an example of Jesus. Um, in all reality, you could look at John chapter 17, and, and, and we'll go there. Go ahead and go there. John chapter 17. And the idea being is that Jesus made this prayer for the disciples. And the, the verse that I'm going to hang on right here is verse 17, 11. It says, I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. But if you wanted some homework to do and you wanted to be blessed mightily, just take and just chew on that, that whole chapter of 17 of John and just see how Jesus, how much he loved his disciples and how much he cared for them. It's amazing to me that God stooped down that low to come to our level, hang on that cross, go with what he did, and then have a whole chapter practically in John. Actually, this whole book is about us, but anyways, it's more about him and him coming down to us. But it's amazing that we get to be put in this book because we're his children. We are saved by him, right? We're his creation. That's what the Bible says. We are created in the image of God. In the image of God, we are created. And so God obviously 
obviously loves us. For what no greater love is this that one give his life for his friends. And now I call you friends, right? Because we've made that choice. Paul, Romans uh, chapter 1, you don't have to go there. <clears throat> Verses 9 and 10, it says, For God whom I serve in my spirit and in the preaching of the gospel of the Son is my witness as to unceasingly I make mention in you. You hear that? That's you guys making mention of your friends in this church, the people that you love. Always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may, be, I may succeed in coming to you. Paul wanted to come to them. He wanted to see them one more time. But he also encouraged them in this. I haven't ceased praying for you guys. Job chapter 42, verse 10. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. Now, I'm not advocating that you guys go out and pray just so you can get stuff, okay? That's not the idea. You know that. The point of it being is that when Job's heart changed and he quit complaining to God about the things that were going on in his life and his buddies, all his good friends, uh, were bagging on him also, God said, when you started praying for those other people, that's when the blessings started coming in because you got your eyes focused back on me. You got your eyes focused back on God. You got your eyes focused back on Jesus and what he's doing. Always being thankful in our prayers, guys. That's, that's key. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 18. Um, and everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, there's few places that we should go to. Philippians 4, 6 uh, tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him, through God the Father. And the last one, back to Job again. Remember how Job got everything taken away from him, right? Naked I have come into this world from my mother's room, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord took away, but what? What? Blessed be the name of the Lord, Right? So even in those times, Job's got, Job got it all taken away, but he chose to give glory to God. Learn to pray. Go back to chapter 6 of Matthew. Chapter 6 of Matthew. He gives us our blueprint right here, verse, verse 9. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Given all glory to God, right? We, we know who our Father in heaven, we know who the creator of all things is, so let's give him the glory for what in the world's going on here, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whatever you want, God, that's what I want. I don't want my will to be done because I found out in the past that my will doesn't work very well, but yours, yeah, it works very well. Okay, your will is the will that I want to do. Because it's a perfect will. I don't understand it sometimes, right? There's things that go on in my life. I don't understand, but I'll tell you this, he will pull you through. That's the good news. Give us this day our daily bread. I noticed that he didn't say, give us this week or give us this month or our year. What I do notice, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He gives us our needs for the time that we need it. Okay, that's, that's what he's saying to us. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We saw down in verse 14 and 15 the reason why we need to forgive those people, okay? Because if we don't, then God can't forgive us. So let's go ahead and forgive those people who have done harm against us. 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do not lead us into temptation. The Lord tells us that, um, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. You guys have heard it, right? No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So everybody has the temptations. But what? God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But what? With that temptation, will provide the way of escape. Okay? Things that we hear all the time, things that we tend to forget, but we need to get implanted in our hearts. Times of trouble will come. That's a guaranteed thing. Are you prepared for them? When I used to coach, this thing about learn to pray, learn to pray, learn to pray, well, what does it take? It takes practice, 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 right? And so you look at something like this in Matthew chapter 6, and you say, well, well, Stuart, that's kind of legalistic here. You know, you're going to have me go through this program here of, you know, give glory to God, and then hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, all this stuff here. Let me tell you something. When I taught my kids how to do a single leg takedown, I went step by step by step by step. Go by step by step by step, step by step by step, till it became a, a one thing. And that's the idea here, right? You do these steps here in the prayer to at one point in time become, you're, you're shooting, a, you're shooting a, t- a single leg takedown and you're saying your prayers as if, wow, I was practicing. I got really good at this. Man, God, man, this, this relationship Nothing can break this thing because he has me in the palm of his hands. And not only that, but God has me, the Father, I have the Son, all these people, I'm in the palm of his hands. And so when I get down, we all get down, right? It doesn't last very long. You can ask my wife, you can ask those people that know me. Um, someone once called me uh, the optimist optimist, okay? And, and I, I, I said, okay, I'll wear that badge. I'll wear that badge. If you're feeling down, I'm going to come encourage you. I don't like negativity. I mean, I'll listen to what you have to say, and we'll pray. But if a person's going to keep on going down that road, um, I'm going to continue to go with you, but I'll only go with you so far, because in all reality, you haven't done this. You haven't given yourself up fully to the Lord, okay? And I've seen this happen. Guys, everybody goes through it. I've gone through it myself, right? But I refuse to allow this world, I refuse to allow that enemy that we call the devil, that adversary that prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I refuse to allow him to do anything. Why? I'm looking unto the author and perfecter of my faith. That's who I'm looking to. So that's what I would encourage you guys to do. Back to uh, Psalm 31 as we finish up these last few verses. Here's my encouragement to you, just as David gave to us. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. You guys see that exclamation mark? Oh, love the Lord, all you his godly ones. The Lord preserves the faithful. He takes care of you and fully recompenses the proud doer. In other words, he brings judgment on the person who thinks he's proud, the guy that God hates pride. I told you that before, right? He who humbles himself will what? Be exalted, right? But he who exalts himself will be humbled. Count on it. It will happen. So you might as well just humble yourself. Why go through that stress, right? Here we go, last verse. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. So we know that our hope is in the Lord. We know that our hope is in heaven, that place where we can be with the Lord forever, right? That's where we're going. That's our hope, and it's a for sure thing. And that's the awesome thing about when we study God's word verse by verse, we can get uplifted and see this is what God wants to do. He wants to take us to that point where 
we're going to be just so usable by him. You know, learn to love the Lord. Learn to love his scriptures. Mike McIntosh, I, I used to listen to him going to work, one, and he, he said, learn to fall in love with the scriptures so that you'll learn to fall in love with God. Okay? That, that's what it's about. Let's pray. Father, we're so, so in awe of you. We thank you, Lord, that, um, that you care for us, that you love us with an undying love, Lord. A love that cannot be understood. It's unfathomable, Lord. But yet it's true. From Genesis to Revelation, Lord, you have shown your love time and time and time again. For you are a faithful God. You are trustworthy. You are loyal. And there is none that compares to you, Lord, because I remember what your word says, that there is no other God but you. As we leave here tonight, I pray that we were encouraged. I pray that we were convicted. And I pray, Lord, that these words would harbor in our hearts and we'd go out and serve you. We glorify you in everything that we do. For the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we'll see you guys next week. Have a good week, guys. Thank you.